0: There, thanks for checking out Anchor Church's YouTube channel. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Oh man, thank you, Kyle. I'm starting a timer just so I keep it under two hours for you, okay? <laughs> Cheesy pastor joke, right? Okay, uh, thank you, Pastor Kyle and Danny. I just want to say before I get going, I'm so grateful to be on this team. I cannot believe we get the pastors we do. Pa- you guys, I get to see these guys go to work every single Uh, Day And they love you and care for you. And we have amazing leaders at this church. And so, yeah, grateful to be a part of this team. Uh, Like Kyle said, my name is Spencer. I do the worship stuff around here. Also tap into some of the prayer things that we're doing here. And, uh, yeah, just honored to be a part of of this church, uh, be a part of this community. My beautiful wife is named Linnea. Look at her. Look at her. It's beautiful. Uh, We've been married almost six years coming up. Anniversary. I better plan something. And uh, and then we have a baby, uh, not so much a baby anymore, uh, two-year-old Mira. She's probably back, like, tearing down the walls in the kids' church right now. She's insane. Uh, And we love her uh, a lot. And then uh, baby girl number two on the way. And so we don't... (laughs) We don't have a name picked out yet, so we're taking name submissions after church, if you want. Um, so, anyways, that's, that's who I am, that's uh, who our family is, and uh, so I'm, I am so excited to preach this message. As Kyle said... Uh, uh, I've been sitting on this word for a long time, and I do believe it's for you. As I was praying for who was going to be here, I know this is a word that uh, I need to hear. And so hopefully, as I preach to myself, that you might get something out of it, too. And so here we are um, on a series on the topic of worship called He is Worthy. And if you've missed any of these sermons Uh, In this collection of talks on worship called He is Worthy, you need to go back to YouTube and watch Kyle preach his guts out about worship, and also Tucker gave an amazing message as well. So you need to go back and listen to them. They're very important uh, to get to where we are today. I'll try to summarize, but basically we are unpacking the three words, He is Worthy, and we will unpack those words for the rest of eternity because... Just when you think you found that he's worthy, he's even more worthy of your worship than what you think right now. And so we've been trying to unpack this, uh, this concept, this phrase that's in Scripture. And we go off a simple definition of what is worship. It's the way you live motivated by what you love it's it's your lifestyle it's how you live if you if you spend your money on this you you worship this if you if you live a certain way you have this this awe and reverence for that thing and so we want to be worshipers of God he's uh, so worship is not the three songs before the preacher gets up and then we just go and have uh, some lunch afterwards that's not what that's part of worship but it's not all of what worship worship is your life and God created you to worship. If you're wondering why you're walking this planet, it's because you were created to worship. And he's created you to be in communion with himself, to be in relationship. And A.W. Tozer says this great line concerning worship. He says, it's a sad reality that most people never know why they were born. He's saying they don't know that they were born to worship. And so worship was God's idea. This is not man's idea. This is God's idea. But through scripture, we see that it is God's design for each one of us to worship, to be created to worship. And so, what is worship? It's the way you live, and it's a response, as Kyle has said, it's a response to who he is and what he has done. Who he is, his nature. How glorious and amazing is and what he has done for you and I. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. So worship is a response individually. You as an individual, you you have a mandate on your life to worship. And then we have a mandate as the church to corporately come together and worship. So we see individual and corporate worship in scripture. Um, But today I really want to focus in on the individual. I'm talking to you specifically and to myself specifically as an individual Worshiper, and so um, I found this example in Scripture of someone who lived a life of worship. It's so amazing. If uh, so, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go around in the Word today. So we're gonna get get your fingers ready. If you don't have a Bible, we have one on the screen. And if you don't own like a physical copy of a Bible, we we gotta get you one. It's the best. So we'll uh, go see someone at the welcome table. I'll buy you one personally. You got to get a Bible in your hands, okay? So here's it'll be on the screen Luke 10 38. Did I say that yet? If not, I just did now. Luke 10 38. Uh, and as you're turning there, if you've missed the last several weeks, Kyle has preached extensively on about two verses Romans 12 1 through 2, and it's been amazing unpacking Romans 12, 1 through 2. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to summarize it for you. It says, we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, and that is holy and acceptable worship. That is what you were designed for, is to offer your life back to God as a living sacrifice. And so as he was As he was preaching on that, I'm like, where is an example of someone in Scripture that does that? Like, where do we see that in Scripture? And so God drew my attention to this woman named Mary of Bethany. She's uh, this wonderful woman in Scripture, and she's from the town uh, called Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem, about two miles outside Jerusalem. And here we see the first time, first mention of Mary is in Luke 10, verse 38. We're going to look into three different mentions of her in Scripture. We're going to dip in. We're taking like a 10,000-foot view of her life, and we're going to dip into each story, and we're going to see a life that moved the heart of Jesus. Every time she was with Jesus in Scripture, we see that she moved the heart of Jesus. So we're going to dip into these three stories, and we're going to see this woman that lived a life that was a sacrifice of worship. So here we go. go as fast as I can. Here we go. Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a village. We know that village is Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, check this part out, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Like, I'm doing this by myself here. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing, you're missing one thing, and one thing is necessary. Mary, your sister, has chosen the good portion which was, will not be taken away from her. So if you're taking notes today, title this message, Choosing to Worship. Choosing to Worship. Let's pray. God, we want to grow. We show up to church to gather so we can grow and live this lifestyle of worship on our Mondays and our Tuesdays, God. And so what's the point of us showing up just to warm up a chair and leave again? God, would you grow me? Would you grow us today as worshipers? Would you teach us, God, like only you can do through your scriptures and the Holy Spirit? Would you come, God, and just like sit on my words? If I say something down, you just like take that out, Lord. Would you just grow us, Lord? Holy Spirit, just come. Amen. Amen. I love food. (laughs) I love a good burrito. Taco Del Sol is like... Like game changer for me. Loved it since I was a kid. And uh, I picked up a buddy of mine. Uh, from. He's in high school. I, t- I picked him up lunchtime over here at Sentinel and hadn't seen each other. We're going to go to Taco Del Sol and get a burrito on for our lunch. It was going to be an amazing time. And so I'm, I'm driving over to Taco Del Sol, just right over here. And uh, there's two parking spots right up front. And so uh, we just naturally just pulled into one, and another car full of uh, high school students, same lunchtime, came from this other direction and pulled into the spot next to us. And so uh, so I, I, I got out of the car, and I opened the door for them, and, and they said, oh, thank you. And so we got into... Uh, Taco del Sol, just about to order our burritos. the the high school boys said, Hey, why don't you guys go first? You you were here first. And so just as we are about to order our burrito, an older gentleman walks in from behind all of us and yells, Whose red Honda is that out there? And instantly I could tell something was not right. And I everyone kind of looked back. He's like, Oh, that's that's mine. He said, What are you in a hurry for lunch for something? And I said, like, no, I mean i'm like kind of hungry, but like not that big of a hurry and He starts to use some certain language and about how I cut him off to take the first parking spot right up front, and how I am this horrible person, and he's just going off and and so I had like I'm, like, trying to figure out what to say. I have, like, ten high school boys here watching me about to what I'm... And then I could feel it kind of coming up in my face, you know. I had, like, six responses, and none of them were from the Holy Spirit. I could tell you. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. So I kept saying, hey, Spencer, you're a pastor. You're a pastor. You work at a church. All these young boys are looking at what you get. So I finally said, sir, can I help you with something? And then he just starts going off on me. And it was just like so shocking. So I just turned around, ordered my burrito. And I, I got home, uh, and I told my wife something. that I cannot stand. I've learned this about myself, that I can't stand when I feel misinterpreted or miss or like judged for my intentions. Because that was never my intention. I don't even know where he was in the parking lot, but I surely didn't mean to cut him off and take the spot up front. And so he was uh, judging me for what my true motives were, which were never that way. And this is what is happening to Mary in this story right here, right now. She's seeing like uh, Martha, her sister, is judging her intentions, right? She's saying like, why don't you get up and help me? Why don't you get up and help me do this? And Martha is really struggling with her sister, yet Mary is, uh, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking in his teachings. She's got her sister like, get up, help me, help me, help me, right? And Mary's misunderstood for her intentions. And so in each, uh, in each story that we're going to dip into, we're going to have one point from Mary's life that we can learn about worship. So point number one from this story is Mary chose to worship despite being judged by culture. Mary chose to worship despite being judged by culture. I use the word chose to worship. I'm using that word because choosing is a conscious act. It's something you're making a conscious choice to do that. So when we choose to worship, this is, this is a moment-by-moment moment thing, a day-by-day day thing. This is something that you're actually saying, no, I am going to choose to worship. And she was making the choice here to worship Jesus, and so we make the choice to worship despite our circumstances, right? Despite what people are saying about us, but we choose to worship. And here we see Mary choosing to worship despite being judged by culture. So, what do you mean, Spencer, by judge by culture? Well, I'm glad you asked, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, Mary is being judged by her sister. Uh, According to what the social norm was of the day, this was very normal for Martha to be, to be upset with Mary and, and to say, basically, she's saying, You're lazy. Like, get up and help me do, uh, do these chores, get this food ready for these gentlemen. And culturally, Martha was right, she had a point. And so uh, uh, the, the women were, this was very culturally normal that the, the men would maybe come in from a long journey for a long day of work. And these women like took, it was like a badge of honor to be the hospitality team and make this amazing food and host these, these gentlemen well. And so uh, culturally, Martha was correct, but Mary went against the grain. She was not being very culturally appropriate. And so I want to pick it up again, Luke 10, verse 40, just so we don't miss it. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious. Like, I can feel your anxiety in the room right now, and you are troubled about many things, and you're missing the one thing. One thing is truly necessary, Mary, your sister, has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Martha is saying, like, look at my doing. Look at all the things I'm doing for you, Jesus. Like, I am, like, hitting the mark right now. I'm doing it all, and I'm doing it by myself. And she says, don't you care, Jesus? Like, I'm right, right, Jesus? Like, she's trying to get Jesus on her side, and then Jesus does something crazy. He takes the side of her sister. It's like, what? Like, if you have a sibling, like, you would know this. If your parents ever take the side of your sibling, whether you're right or wrong, it's like the recipe for the worst day of your life because it just hurts so much. And then, so Jesus takes the side of Mary, and he says, Martha, you're missing the whole point. Mary, your sister, has chosen the one thing that truly matters. So if you're wondering what's the one thing that truly matters, it's worship. It's the sitting at his feet, an NIV translation says it this way: that she has chosen a better way. This good portion, she's chosen a better way. So this is not an anti-Martha or an anti-serving message. Okay, we are pro-serving. Kyle just gave a, a pitch to you to help serve the body of Christ. Like this is not Jesus bashing on Martha for her serving or saying her serving's wrong. He's he's making a very distinct point. Very pointed point. <laughs> uh, he says this uh, uh, in, in, in this point that we've got to understand here today that we are to serve from a place of his presence and not a place of being depleted. If it's all about you doing all this stuff for Jesus but never having true intimacy with him and actually spending time with him, you are missing the point he's saying, I see you're serving, Martha. Like, I see it, and I smell that food. I can't wait to eat it. But we have to have you understand this before we have dinner together. He says, your sister Mary actually understands something here, that there is a prioritization of his presence that truly matters. See, I relate with Martha. I I like task lists. I like like, checking things off. I drive my wife nuts with it. Uh, And... But I miss the heart of Mary often in my life. And if I'm being honest, this like I've just been chewing on it for months now that I have to understand this. I have to get this. I'm being challenged in this right now that my, all my doing for Jesus is nothing if I don't have a healthy union with him, if I don't have this intimacy and closeness with my Savior. And I don't want to miss this like Martha did. And so Mary is showing us the worship is a lot more about being than it is about doing it's more about being with him in relationships so i look at culture today right There's like, it's like, do, do, do. You got to get more things done. You got to build your platform and build more people on social media. And you got to work 70 hours a week. And and you got to do all these things. And you got to compromise who you are, right? Because it's the American way. It's just how we do it. We just got to work, work, work and do more stuff. And there's all these distractions like, hello, social media, right? But Mary went against the grain of culture, and I started pondering that, that maybe I need something like, need to learn something from this woman's life. And when culture was telling her to busy herself, she was found at the feet of Jesus. She didn't compromise she had the posture of what a true disciple looks like, right? So there's this, no doubt this is a crowded space, a crowded home, 12 disciples, including Jesus, and, and maybe even more people are in the room. And she has a posture of what a true disciple, she's showing the disciples how to worship. She's seated and listening to his teaching. She's close. She's gazing at Jesus and hearing his voice. So close to him that she could almost hear him whisper. She's listening, seated, and she didn't even say a word in this scripture. She didn't even say a word. In fact, she lets Jesus defend her. There's a, there's a little lesson there. I'll let you just think about that one. She shows up. Um, uh, she shows us that discipleship is a lot more about listening than it's ever about you checking off things that you do for Jesus. Jesus. Mary is teaching us to slow down and choose the one thing that truly matters, one thing that is necessary, Jesus says. I want that to be the story of my life. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've been asking myself this question. Is he worthy in my life? Is he worthy? We say he is worthy, but those are just three words until they really hit home. Is he worthy of my time? Is he worthy of my finances? Is he worthy of my attention and my adoration? Is he worthy of my conversation? And so lately, I've been doing this thing. It's so hard, you guys. I just put my phone away, put everything away, and go sit downstairs in our house, and I call it bow low time. I didn't know what to call it, but it was like, we're just going to bow low before. Sometimes I get on my knees, sometimes I sit on a couch, and that sounds really cool and spiritual probably, but it is not. It's really hard. My brain is going all these different ways, but taking the time to sit and hear my Savior speak to me is so good, yet it's so difficult in our culture. And so uh, before we move on to our second example of Mary, I want to ask you right now, how's your intimacy with Jesus? Are you getting caught up in the hustle of culture and are you letting culture dictate your worship are you uh, are you so busy that you don't even make time to sit with the king of kings and lord of lords he's like seated on his throne like not worried about what's going on in our country or around the world and he's seated are you making time to hear your Savior's voice? So again, point number one, Mary chose to worship despite being judged by culture, or despite what culture was saying. And not too much further down the row, we see a second mention of Mary. We find this in John eleven thirty-two. 32. You can go ahead and turn there. I'm going to give you some context behind this scripture This is now uh, one of the hardest times of Martha and Mary's life, okay? Their brother Lazarus, that they were very, very close with, has died. He has died, and this is no doubt some of the hardest times of their entire life. And Martha and Mary are mourning, and they are hurting really bad. And Jesus is late coming back to the party. In fact, he... Sorry, not party. That's that's a terrible way to say that. Uh, he's coming back to town four days late. He's coming back to what Martha and Mary are thinking. Wow, he's out doing all these miracles and helping all these other people, but he's not near to our pain. And and so here Jesus is coming back, and and uh, and Martha goes out to welcome Jesus back into town, and she has this. Wonderful exchange with him that she's just pouring her guts out. Like, where have you been, Jesus? Don't you care? Don't you care? And they have this exchange. We don't have time to read it. But then he says, could you go get your sister Mary? And so Mary comes out. And that's where we're picking up this story right here. John eleven thirty two. 32. It says, now Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him. And catch this right here. She fell at his feet. She fell at his feet saying to him, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And she said, "Where have, and he said, "Where have you laid them?" They said, "Lord, come and see." And then the shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept. Now, I've heard some people say this is actually the longest verse in the Bible because it takes a long time to weep with somebody. He takes a moment to feel their pain, to feel it real hard. And he weeps with them. And verse 36 says, So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And so the story goes on, he weeps, and then he beelines it straight to the, to the tomb and re- resurrects Lazarus from the dead. It's like this crazy miracle. But before the miracle happened, Mary was found at the feet of Jesus again. So here we see point number two from Mary's life. Mary chose to worship in the hardest days of her life. Again, we see Mary at the feet of Jesus. We cannot miss this. Before she says a word yet in Scripture, twice now she's sat at the feet of Jesus. And when, you're, when you fall at somebody's feet, this is a sign of utter desperation, right? It's a sign of worship. It's a sign of surrender. It's saying, like, I'm at your mercy. Like, wh- whoever you're worshiping, you're, you're at their mercy. When you, when you put your, your face to the ground, and here we see this. She's doing this now in the hardest week of her life. And I love that the first account of her saying anything in Scripture is her being honest with God. She said, Lord, if you had been here, where have you been? I just got to say, woo! It's okay to be honest with Jesus. He put on skin and bones so he could feel what you're going through. That's a God I can serve that understands my pain. I've had some of the best prayer times in the hardest times of my life. That there is just something about Jesus that, that when you choose to worship in the hardest times of your life, that he comes and he meets you there. And this was the very thing that moved his heart so much to where the famous verses are, Jesus wept. It's a famous line, right? And we always just like, yeah, two words, Jesus wept. This is what moved his heart is her saying, Jesus, do you care? Do you care? And so I don't know what you're going through right now, and I don't know why the things have happened in your life to get to this point. Maybe you have had some serious things happen to you in the past. I don't know all the the answers, but I do know that Scripture is very clear that He cares. And He is near to the brokenhearted, Psalm 34 says. He weeps with your pain. And being in His presence, you find that He is so near in your pain. I know there's lots of broken People in our church alone, there's a lot of circumstances. I don't know all of you, but I know some of the stories. I know some of the things people are walking through right now in our church, right now. And some of them we've been going after in intercession and prayer. But I know that he is near in your pain, and I'm asking you to come to him today. Again, and lay at his feet, even in the hardest season of your life. I ask you to hand over your pain as a form of worship, knowing that there is a great mystery to his presence. The Bible talks about a mystery, and there's a mystery to his presence that is just hard to explain until you feel it. And he's often there in the hardest times of your life. So I would encourage you from Mary's life that she chose to worship on the hardest day of her life. And then the third story we see Mary uh, mentioned in Scripture is just a page over, John 12, 3 through 8. John 12, 3 through 8. We're fast-forwarding now in time, and this is the last week of Jesus' life. This is uh, right before Passover. This is uh, a time where Jesus is going to uh, go to the cross. He's going to be brutally Beaten and murdered for you, your sins and for my sins. This is a tragic, horrible uh, day in human history. And uh, Jesus is about to go take on the sins of all mankind. And then three days later, he would resurrect. And now we celebrate an Easter that he is risen and he is in heaven seated in, in all glory and all power. But we're not there yet. We are a week before this uh before his death their people are seeking to kill Jesus at this point and they're also seeking to kill Lazarus at this at the same time because they want to eradicate Jesus they want to just get him off the planet he's just causing too much problems and anyone and Lazarus is a good candidate for like the proof that Jesus is God and he's he's been resurrected from the dead and so there's this very Uh, intense part of Mary's life and here we see Mary a third time in scripture she's found worshiping again with her two guys uh, having death sentences on their life and then this amazing scripture it's like one of my favorite things this is like if you're a worship pastor you preach on this sermon like this, this scripture right here it's like just so good so just just bear with me here I get a little excited John 12 Three through eight it says Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard. We should all say nard. One two three, nard. nard. That just felt good. Okay, <laughs> nard is I had to look up what what the what the nard is here. Uh, costly aromatic ointment preserved in alabaster jo- uh, uh, boxes. Okay, so this is very very costly. And she anointed the feet of Jesus, and check this part out, and wiped his feet with her hair. I don't know if anyone has like a foot phobia in here, anybody? Like not, not super fan of feet. I'm not a big fan of them either. Um, but she's teaching us like, this is, this is worship. I'm going to pour this oil on his feet. And, and so it says this, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. They could smell her worship. But verse 4, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was the ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? I don't know if that's how you say it, but we're rolling with it. Denarii. And it, so what is a denarii? That's a day's wage. Okay, so 300 days wages is about a year's worth of wages, right? And Judas is saying, she's wasting this on Jesus. She's wasting it. Verse 6, he says, He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. Again, Jesus defending Mary. So that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Point number three of Mary's life of worship. Mary chose to worship by giving him everything she had. Now, John is making an exaggerated point, right? He is he's telling this story for a reason. And he's like saying, and by this woman's example, Jesus is worth everything. He's worth your whole life. He is worth everything. In fact, this, this scripture is so important. It's recorded three different gospels. It's very important for us to see how this isn't just a one-off thing that one woman does and we, we applaud and say, wow, I don't think I could ever do that. This is something that Jesus is addressing with each one of us if we see it, that Jesus' life demands a response from us. You see, she gave a year's wages. Like, I don't know what you make, but that's tough. Tough. When you give a whole year of your life's wages, right? And so some scholars say this was her inheritance that was worth a year's wages. Some, some say, you know, that it was uh, her life savings or, or whatever. It, to me, it doesn't really matter. It, the point is it was a very costly form of worship, very costly. And this might be a stretch, but I think it was an easy decision for her. Do you know Why? Because We have seen now in her life, she has create, uh, been a part of Jesus' teaching. She's spent time and developed intimacy and trust with him. Like, well, like, and she found him worthy. She just dumps it out on his feet, and she couldn't help herself. She sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his teachings, and she's created this history of worship of him. She's worshiped before miracles and she's now worshiping after the miracle of Lazarus. I believe this was an easy thing for her to do, that she pours this costly worship because she found him worthy of her entire life. And what was an easy decision for her was a ridiculous one for Judas. Judas judges her in this moment, right? I want to be careful here but I want to speak a little blunt. I I see in this scripture that there are Marys and there are Judases in this life. There are the ones who give worship. And even no matter what they look like or what it costs them, they give worship to Jesus. And then there's other people that are judges of worship. They might look at other people and think, what the heck's wrong with them? Well, I want to say that you don't know their story, and maybe you should ask their story. And every single one of us has a story in this room, right? And we're all at different levels of our faith. But I would just ask you, like, are you a Mary? Are you someone who pours out their worship no matter what people think around you? And I'm not talking about being all crazy and distracting, but I am saying, what is it costing you? What is your worship costing you? Or are you someone who just kind of pans the room looking around and judging other people without ever knowing what Jesus has done for them? So I would ask, if you don't know Jesus, I'm just asking you today, like, give your heart to him. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord and he is going to meet you. And and like, it's, it's the best thing. I, 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 I can't put into words what he's done in my life. If you want to have me over for coffee or whatever, I would love to tell you my story because I probably sound like a crazy nut. But there's something about Jesus that keeps drawing it out of me. Like I can't, not because he is my Savior, he's my Lord, he's my friend. He's met me in so many, uh, so many circumstances. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I'm, I'm begging you, just, just give your life over. We want to help you. We want to disciple you. We want to help you grow. Anyway, there we go. Every, <laughs> uh, man. I've got the privilege to go around the world and see different radical worshipers. It's often in foreign countries where they don't have a lot of means. Their circumstances are so wrong. It's so hard to see. Yet, they like get a band together, and they like got two strings on a guitar, and they don't care. They just start playing, and they start worshiping like you would never believe, because they found him worthy. They found there's like I don't need anything. All I need is Jesus, and he has met them in the crazy. You could hear these crazy stories, and. I say, what, what happened to us? What happened to me? And so I'm, I'm, I'm asking that you would take this in, that, that we would know, is Jesus truly worthy? Is he truly worthy of your worship? And so I want to be like Mary. <laughs> this woman seeing her story. I want to be like her. I don't want to just read stories about her. I want to be like her. I want the, the, the scripture said that the, the smell of this ointment filled the room. They, the disciples around were watching this woman, and Ju- Judas is like, what the, uh, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But her, her, her worship permeated the whole entire environment. I want that to be the story of my life in this city. They've, they've, people can judge me. I don't care. I don't care, and I want to get to that point where it's like, I just have this love for Jesus, and if you only knew him for yourself, you would find the same thing. Here she is again, teaching the disciples how to worship. She's at his feet. She does this move, right? She pours it out. She's The Bible says that it's it was poured, uh, some, some of the gospels say, on his head and dripped down to her feet, and so she's just anointing him with this oil. And she was, and uh, something we got to catch here before we move on is that Jesus, he was, the, he was preparing his disciples for three years that he was going to the cross, right? And they didn't get it. They did not understand. Like, he kept telling them, plainly, I'm going to the cross and after three days I will resurrect. And they just didn't get it. But I just, I just wonder that she understood that his death was coming. In Matthew's account of this story. He says leave her alone. Because she is preparing me for my burial. I wonder if she sat at the feet. It might be a stretch. But I wonder if she sat at the feet of Jesus. And actually heard it. It says she heard his teachings. That she understood. That he was going to go to the cross. But this was the very thing. That was going to set humanity free. And this was very custom for, again, for these, uh, particularly these women, they would take these ointments and put them on the skin of anyone who was about, uh, like on their deathbed. They would, they would do it as a sign of honor and respect. Uh, Kyle preached on it on Easter. It was amazing just how they would go in and, and anoint the body. It was a sign of respect and honor. And here she's giving a whole year's worth and just dumping it on him. And I got to thinking, like, this messed me up several weeks ago, and it still got me. That Jesus now, a few days later, like, they didn't have showers a whole ton back then, you know. Like, Jesus got the long hair, and he's, like, probably has smelly armpits like I do. And here here Jesus is now arrested, and he is put on trial after his innocent life, and he is ripped to shreds for you and I. He is ripped to shreds. Like sometimes we just like disassociate what, what he actually went through. And he's getting brutally ripped open. Brutally beaten to take on the sins of all humanity. And he starts taking that cross. And he starts walking it up to Galgotha. Galgoth. And he's taking that cross. And he's taking one step and his hair is coming down his face. I can't help but think that woman's worship went with him. She's smelling that worship. He said, oh, this is going to be all worth it. I'm going to go to that cross. I'm going to take the sins of all mankind. And I will resurrect. And I will go and I will be seated on high as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is seated there right now at the right hand of the Father. That those who believe in him... We'll have everlasting life. We don't have to worry anymore about our death. We can go into eternity in the presence of Jesus. And he's going there. But first, he had to go to that cross. And that worship went with him, preparing him for his burial. As if, oh gosh, guys, sorry. (laughs) Preparing him for his burial that he would take this essence of worship and he would be catapulted right into the sky a few days later, and now... He's worshipped by billions of people. He is worshipped by insane amount of uh, angels surrounding and these creatures that Revelation's talk. He is worshipped, and we get to be a part of that right now here on earth. Like, is he worthy of that? Is he worthy of you singing the songs with us? You know, is he worthy of your discipleship of him? Is he worthy of your life when you start considering what he's done for you? is he worthy of it yeah he is worthy of it so she chose a sacrifice of worship and I I just caught this recently in the end of Matthew's account of this he's uh, Jesus says this what she has done will be remembered for the rest of time what she has done will be we're remembering I'm preaching on her story right now this woman from two miles outside Jerusalem we're talking about her right now it's amazing So what does it look like for you to live a sacrifice of worship? Maybe it's laying down a certain lifestyle and picking up a lifestyle of worship. I don't know what it is for you. I'm still praying about certain things that the Lord, like I said, getting to these places where I'm like, yeah, I'm living a lifestyle of worship. But then he's like, oh, there's so much more. There's so much more to my glory. There's so much more to my beauty. So what is he calling me to? What is he calling you to do? Ben, you can come on up. Mary, point number three again. Mary chose the worship by giving him everything she had. Wow, I am a mess. (laughs) Mary is found worshiping. In each season of her life, every uh, mention of her story, every, all three times she's found worshiping. We see that here. In every season, she is choosing to worship. And she's found worshiping in a, in a good time. like She's at a dinner party. She's uh, with her sister, and she's being judged by her sister. But she's, she's worshiping in a good time. And then she's worshiping in the hardest time of her life. We see that with after her brother dies. And then she's found worshiping in an ugly time. In a, in a time where she didn't care, but it didn't look very nice. She's got all this stuff in her hair, but she's pouring it out on Jesus. And, but I found this in Scripture, that she found him worthy she found him worthy of it all that's why we sing the song you are worthy of it all so i ask you today what season are you in maybe it's one of these seasons that we see that she's gone through i'm asking you though to respond today I'm asking you to... Re- like. We're going to sing another song and I want you to just consider for a moment. Is He worthy? Is He truly worthy of your life? And so maybe you need to grow in one of these areas or maybe all three. Maybe it's the first story that we saw that, uh, that culture is getting the best of you and you're just so dang busy and you just can't find time for Jesus. Maybe... Maybe you need to learn that there's a prioritization of his presence that truly matters. Or maybe it's a second story that you are in the hardest times of your entire life and you need to develop a history and a trust and an intimacy with Jesus when he feels like he's four days late. Or maybe it's point number three, that maybe you are feeling God just draw out more maybe you feel like like you've had experience with him but then there's so much more there's so much more worship to give him is he calling you to a radical place of worship of costly worship so i ask you what is it to live a life like romans says of a living sacrifice what's that look like for you it's going to be a different answer for each of us but if you want to grow in God we have to grow in our worship we have to grow in our worship and so I'm I am so challenged by this message you guys it hits home more than I can say but I just would just encourage you And challenge you that he is so worthy even if you don't think it yet he is and so we're gonna go on this journey of union and communion with him and learning that he truly is worthy of all of your life and so I'm pleading with you church we cannot be a Sunday only church it will not last I'm just telling you you see the cultural climate right now Sunday morning Christianity will not last And that's not me guilting anybody. I'm just saying you have to take this message and you have to take your scripture and you have to take Jesus on your Monday and live this thing out because he is so worthy of it. So I always ask this when I preach and I'm over my time here, but I got to ask this question every time I preach. What would it look like at Anchor Church if we had a bunch of Mary of Bethany's walking around this city? What would it look like at Anchor Church? That we wouldn't bow to culture and what culture is telling us how to do and how to be and how to live, but we would choose a lifestyle of the one thing, not missing the one thing that truly matters. And then what if we learned to worship through the hardest trials of our life? What if we learned how to do that? And what if we learned that as we've developed this history with him, that he is worth everything. He is worth worth it all. You could take take what I got doesn't matter cuz I got Jesus. I want to grow that. I want to grow to be that. So we're going to sing one more song. I want you to talk to Jesus right now. You don't it's a newer song, you probably don't know the lyrics anyways, but let the lyrics speak to you. And I want you to uh, engage with God today. So this week, let's go deeper with our worship because he is worthy. Thank you so much for tuning into the message today. We hope it blessed you. Here at Anchor Church, we believe that you matter. Would you consider heading over to the website and hitting the contact page? We'd love to get to know you and hear your story. We'll see you next time. We hope you have a great rest of your day.